Hello there, and welcome to Music Speaks. This podcast dedicates itself to how music impacts people's lives. For this show, we usually have two co-hosts. My name, of course, is Sean Runcunis, and my friend over there with his glasses and white t-shirt is my friend Hunter Sagona. Hunter and I believe that there are many people that have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. What does that mean? We pride ourselves on building upon our musical knowledge with our featured guests, jamming to incredible music, talking variety of artists and composers, dot, 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 collecting those ellipses and everything in between. Here's our quote for today by Jeannie Ryan, a character in the show Hair. I know who the father is. Lafayette, aka Hud, says, You know that? You know that a lot. If the baby comes out all white and squishy-like, crying his ass off, then we know woof. It's definitely the daddy. And today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite musicals, Hair, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, The official title of this musical is Hair, the American Tribal Love Rock Musical. The musical debuted in 1967 and has specific ties to the Vietnam War. The composer is Galt McDermott, and the book and the lyrics are by Jerome Ragney and James Rado. And I guess the big question then is, you know, why are we going to discuss this musical? And, you know, Sean, for those listening, uh, he musically directed this show in his sophomore year of college, and he's very excited to to discuss it, and he's been wanting to for a while now. And uh, he has the original LP of the musical, which his mom tracked down and bought for him. And he has it at his office at school. So without further ado, here is the musical, Hair! Exclamation <laughs> point. Hello there, everybody. And today we're gonna talk about one of my favorite musicals, Hair. Um, one of my favorite jokes uh, that I wanted to discuss before talking about the show is I thought Hunter was going to say, why? Why this show? Um, and I think I told him yesterday, I feel like I was going to say to him, you're going to have to just love this show. You're gonna, I'm going to make you love this show because I love this show. Um, you know, it's not. And, and the thing is about this show is my mom came to see it and she really said to me, I did not like it. And that hurt me a little bit. I was like, ah, oh, come on. Just because I felt like when I when I did it, I remember initially thinking, oh, this is okay. And then I kept listening to it. And I was like, wow, this is actually really something. And I think the something that really comes out in the show that's really well is uh, the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I think something I really do like about the show is how clever um, the creators are, especially Jerome Rodney and James Righto. They are musical lyricist geniuses um so off we go and like i said uh, we are talking about hair and we're gonna listen we're gonna talk about their new recording that i really like uh the new broadway cast recording Mm -hmm. in 2009 um and let's read the cast list hunter let's read what what kind of people are in this show and uh let's talk about the instrumentation so let's talk about the cast of characters you have Burger, you have Woof, you have Hud, you have Claude, you have Jeannie, you have Dion, you have Chrissy, you have Sheila, Margaret Mead, and Hubert. 
-hmm. And the others in the tribe, you have Ronnie, Lieda, Paul, Walter, Steve, Haram, Susanna, Mary, Amaretta, Diane, Marjorie, Linda, Natalie. You have three moms, three dads, three high school principals, two policemen, an electric blues quartet, white girls trio, black girls trio, um, the Supremes trio, Army Sergeant, Abraham Lincoln, John Wilkes Booth, Calvin Coolidge, <laughs> Clark Gable, Scarlett O'Hara, Aretha Franklin, Colonel Custer, Shoeshine Boy, three Buddhist monks, 1,000-year-old monk, three Catholic nuns, three astronauts, three Chinese, three gorillas, one Native American, and others. Whew. Okay. And a partridge in a pear uh, tree. And a partridge in a partridge <laughs> and a pear tree. Uh, let's talk about the instrumentation real quick, which sure. includes baritone saxophone, three trumpets, trombone, electric bass, drums, basically a trap drum set for the drummer, uh, percussion, bongo drums, congo drums, beltry, marimba, tambourine, woodblock, temple blocks, kvasa, maracas, gong, siren, castanets, ratchet, slapstick, indians, quika, tabos, and tower clock chime as a sound effect. And a piano as piano score that we have in front of us in guitar one and guitar two. So, and in place of the overture, the guitar is over the outer space flying saucer pyramid music in the style of Jimi Hendrix. During this music, a stage ritual is which evolves directly into the opening musical number, Aquarius. All right. Oh my goodness, Hunter! That's that's that's, as, that's a, as overwhelmed as me and the director felt when we started working on this. We said, "Well, that's a lot of people, and we only have <laughs> fifteen people." So we made it work, um, but there are a lot of moving parts that are definitely kind of crazy and uh, not in the you know scope of things. But we made it work, and I think that's kind of special. Um, so let's talk about Aquarius because that is the first. Uh, first number on the show probably the most mm -hmm. famous um people know it yeah, by so, yeah. by recognizing the theme yeah um let's talk about your first comment because the only comment that you put on my sheet was good groove right off the bat a vamp is a safe beginning to blur people in i understand traps very well uh <laughs> what what do you <laughs> i'm kidding um what what do you like about this opening yeah, so I, you know, I, it's funny. I thought I, I, because I had put all my comments onto another sheet. I, I forgot to delete that one off of yours. Um, <laughs> but it's a good thing I left it there because it's a good place to start. Um, mm -hmm. You know, vamps. I feel like, especially starting in the the '60s and the '70s, you know, vamps were really a good way to start grooves off. Um, it really mm -hmm. gets the, the the mood going, and it really it like I said lures people in. It gives them sort of a taste of what the atmosphere of the the whole piece is going to be like. And this one, you know, this is no exception for uh, for really starting out with a, a piece, in this case Aquarius, which sets the mm -hmm. tone for the rest of the show. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and like you said, um, I like the recording that starts off with this creaking sound. And mm -hmm. in the recording, it sounds like they're entering you into a new world in a way. Mm -hmm. They're sort of like, and you hear, boom, 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 and that sort of sets you up really well for the the beginning of the song. Um, and I like to say, nice point about the groove because 
the name of the game is that in the song and in, in this right. whole musical is groove because I think it's really important. Um, and I think it's really a perfect way to introduce the sound of the sixties. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you agree? Yeah. What do you think? I do. I do agree. I think it's specifically in the sixties, all the different, and there were many types of genres or many types of genres. That sounds like a, a what do you call that? It's redundant. The many genres that are in the 60s all were based on groove. You had the start of rock. You had bossa nova. You had um, the, uh, I, I guess you'd call it um, vocalists, you know, like the, the Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, which we, some people would consider early rock. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all of them were very groove-based. They wanted you to get into it right from the beginning and, and sort of be a part of it or be immersed in it. And I feel like it, it does that right away. And something else that struck me was the melody itself is very stepwise and it makes it very stable sounding, um, which I think is good for an opening number because it, it doesn't shock you too much right away. Uh, sort of makes you feel stable at the beginning, makes you feel comfortable. And then, you know, once people are stable, then you can sort of blow them out of the water. Right. It's important to mention that the word Aquarius is, is based off of an astrological sign. Yep. Uh, which means rebellious uh, nature, mm -hmm. which is also behind the idea of being different and having a nonconformist feeling about, you know, being against the system and wanting to just kind of enjoy mm -hmm. life messy, you know, and these are the people who mm -hmm. are in this and, uh, like you said, it has this sort of uh, feeling of love and being together, and I think it sets up the balance and love really well. However, something I did notice about the song is that it's in minor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. You but know, it's yeah. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that it's interesting that it starts in minor because you you can imagine something like this kind of being. The, the, you know, I think about this like the opening of Romeo and Juliet in a way where it doesn't really need to say anything, but it's like a community of people that come together and they're saying what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. The lyrics might be a little goo goo gaga because obviously it might not be, obviously, but it, it almost feels like a warning. You know, it almost feels like we're here, we're going to make some difference and change in this world, but we're kind of willing to crackhead do something different to make some change happen um it's a little scary uh i do have to say just because it opens up with this kind of like very groovy sound and then i believe that the singer is very serious and very dedicated even though the lyrics that they're saying you know might not really have a lot of constructive you no know, reading you know and uh, -huh. uh it's the beginning of the song is uh, when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns mm -hmm. with Mars, then peace will guide the planets and love will steal the stars. It's interesting, you know, when I think about those lyrics, it almost sounds like a psychic reading them mm -hmm. and making that sort of judgment. And, and it's, it's interesting because you have, it is a happy song. Like people are just kind of like, you know, it's very exploratory. There's a lot of dancing. 
Um, there's a lot of feelings behind it. Um, so it's, it's kind of slow and methodical and different. And, um, uh, you know, when I did this, I asked a friend, can I was like, Hey, I don't really want to get into the song super quick. Can we try to create some sort of introduction to the song? And he took the listening that I gave him and he created something kind of interesting. And I used it in each individual show that we did. And something that we got out of it was it's, it's a little bit trippy. To start, because you know the show is about drugs, and the show is about kind of you know trying new things and trying to be experimentative, and it just kind of shows you how um, a minor doesn't have to be this sort of you know sad feeling. It can almost be an expectation of the future, or it can mm-hmm. be this yeah. sort of it, it, this sort of like desire for and so yeah, exactly uncertainty and sort of discovering one's uh, you know natural self. And just because Aquarius, you know, it is this sort of spooky song, it ends minor. You know, it starts minor, it ends minor. Um, I'm just curious, what what did you take away from the, this this uh, intro number? So one thing that that struck me, obviously, you know, this song, um, mm-hmm. this song was like you said, the most popular song to come out of this musical, and mm-hmm. it became an anthem of this era. Um, mm-hmm. both within, obviously, the context of this show and without the context of the show. Um, it's actually funny. I have this picture of my my grandparents who were in, they, they were like part of the parents group at my parents' school, um, or at my mother's school, and they performed this number. The parents performed this number, and this was in the 70s. Wow. Um, and, you know, they're wearing like the, the white go-go boots and, and, you know, very 70s outfits. And it, it was a little disturbing, yeah. but... What's interesting is the the star sign of Aquarius is also known as the humanitarian. Yes. So that yes. I think you know that sort of fits well with the theme of the show, which is I'm sure why they picked it. Um, mm-hmm. While it's also the rebel, it's also the one you know the the humanitarian is meant to be the care. You know they they're bringing those humanitarian qualities, which is a lot of what the musical is about, right? Uh, peace, love, and and looking after your fellow man, and and you know, you know against war and all that kind of stuff, yeah. which we'll get more into. Obviously, yeah, I think but so. that is something I was thinking about while I was listening to it. Sure, yeah, I mean, it's almost a protest song, even though it might not intend to be a protest song. Yeah, just because of the words, you know, <laughs> calamity. You know, I feel like when things align like that, you know, we mm-hmm. might be like, oh, you know. Apocalypse. It's like the the celestial power is coming to you know yeah of course so I think that's that's what I'm thinking of with this song. Um, however, I think the show the show does a really good job the balancing the the funny versus the serious really well mm-hmm. and a really funny number that you get to know the character Burger in uh, and I remember it's it, it, you, and you never like to typecast. In, in shows, but I almost felt like the person who I was giving this to was born to play this part. Really? Yeah. And he had, you know, it, it, you know, it's a very interesting character, the character of Burger, because it's, he's, he's silly. He doesn't take anything too seriously. That's, and that's the issue because something interesting about the show is that as we're going along, we're sort of discovering that, you know, the show is about why maybe what the what the hippies are doing are right versus um, who who's right for who's wrong. And then that's kind of explored because there are 
there are good people, but then they do bad things. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of an exploration of of these characters and finding their faults within their goodness. You know, because they have good qualities, but they might also have bad tendencies that mm-hmm. we'll sort of explore. Um, but let's get right into Donna, because Donna is uh, one of my favorite numbers to start out with with the cast. Um, I think it, it is a hilarious number. Um, I'm going to scroll the page. Uh, so while I'm scrolling, uh, what are your thoughts, Hunter? So the first the first thing that struck me is like it's a very syncopated number. Yeah. And it, it, you know, that could be used like, you know, syncopation, you can use it as a way of sort of throwing the audience off kilter or, or the listeners off kilter, not necessarily in a bad way, but it, it keeps, it makes you listen because you can't just sort of tap along with it as much as you would if it was on the beat. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way as a, as a first, not soloist, but like a, a first featured vocal number a good way to get people to take the the singer seriously, even if the song is not supposed to be as serious. And the first thing that struck me other than the syncopation was that, you know, obviously he's repeating this woman's name, Donna, Donna, Donna. And yeah. Yeah. Then he said, looking uh, later on, he says, looking for my Donna, looking for Madonna, which, um, or Madonna which obviously this was before the artist Madonna. So I'm assuming he was referring to Madonna, which is the Madonna, which is Mary. Um, and it's funny how he makes a transition from my Donna, my Donna, my Donna, and then yeah. it seamlessly goes into Madonna. And, yeah. you know, it, is he looking for some sort of higher power? Is he not? Is it meant to be funny? I, I don't know. I don't know in the context yeah. of, the, of the number what it's supposed to be, but you would know better than me because obviously you directed the, the number. Right, and I think that's something we're going to get to with with the song is how good these lyrics are, and how important they are to sort of discovering exactly what they mean, you know. And that's sort of almost up to the the actor in a way. Um, and you know, I think that I think that with this number, I think it's I think that these these uh, these writers did a really great job in helping discover the characters through the music mm-hmm. you might not understand them through um you know sort of going back and forth but um i remember when we did this that there is really none to rest in this in this opening you just got to keep going mm-hmm. there's not a lot of stopping and starting you just keep going with all their conducting and the singing and the playing and um it, it just you know it, it just so it's so energetic, you know, and that's what I love about yeah. this song is, is, you know, it's just how they just say, you know, that there might be a little bit of a thing, but then you keep going, you know, there's definitely a little bit of gap sometimes between musicals, but usually in this one, you have a lot of attack of movements, which mean one after the other. So you'll sort of go from one thing to the next thing. And in this, in this case, I think you take a little bit of a break in between Aquarius and Donna, but not so much of a break. You might say something, and it goes around. But once upon a look of a Donna time, this is the same thing. It's crazy. And one of my favorite lines in this opening is, um, is look at look at measures nine, ten, nine and ten in this. Oh Donna, oh 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 Donna, oh 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 oh, looking for my Donna. <laughs> I remember, mm-hmm. I remember uh, working on this with the with a student and he's like, Oh my God, how am I going to ever do this? And I said, you have to slow it down. 
Oh, Donna, oh, oh, Donna, oh, 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 looking for my Donna. So it's like, oh, Donna, oh, oh, Donna, oh, 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 looking for. You know, it's sort of almost feels like you just kind of have to play with the um, the turns a little bit. The turns of going from the C yeah. sharp to the D. Because the D is the more important note. Because, yeah, I have to, it's sort of like, um, it, it, it almost plays around with the kind of idea that he is desiring her and wanting her, you know. And you can you can say, oh, does he want her, you know, virginity? Does he want her, you know? Because we're, I think, like, you're, you're perfectly right because we're talking about the Virgin Mary. Um, and mm-hmm. I think he's kind of playing around with that. And, you know, um, you know, it's interesting because the show also plays around the idea of sort of um, sexualizing religion, which isn't the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also it's it's, it's pretty funny um, because it, it plays with expectations. And mm-hmm. one of my it's it's it is so funny because you know this is so funny. Um, listen to listen to the bridge of this this number. Tell me if you don't crack up. Have you seen my sixty-year-old tattooed woman? Heard a story? She got busted for her beauty. Oh, <laughs> that's just. <laughs> It's crazy. Like I don't think I've ever heard a song like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I think it plays along the idea between. Do you? So what do you think it is? Do you think it's Mary Magdalene or do you think it's Mary uh, Jesus's mother? You know, I don't know because it, it it could be either of them. And then at the yeah. same time, something else that that I thought about was the name Donna. Is yeah. the Italian word donna, which means just woman. So it could also be just like he's not actually talking about anyone in sp- in particular. It could be any like he's looking for any woman because he's just looking around. I know, yeah. However, he does have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Should say that right away. Um, he is kind of like this kind of omnisexual being who will just kind of <laughs> I hate to say it will fuck anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's interesting, and and then like you like you perfectly suggested in the beginning hunter about the song was the return around from donna to madonna right it, it is just it, it's so funny and it's it, it's so perfect and i think what we're going to do a lot of talking today is about how the lyrics just do a really good representation of characterizing individuals you know how mm-hmm. how burger is this kind of sexual being who will want to just go out there and just kind of do whatever he wants to do um and i think that's kind of cool because he's willing to put himself out there. He's willing to try to do different things. And um, it's, it's so interesting because it's it's so – and the song is just so bop and fun because it's just like <laughs> – it just keeps going and going. And that just – it plays off of Burger's uh, um, energy. You know, and I – a lot of mm-hmm. questions people might say, who would name their own son Burger? I don't think his name was Burger when he, he was younger. I'm sure that he decided his name was burger mm-hmm. um there is a joke about his name later on because he's then called hamburger <laughs> um and the joke is because he does so many drugs and because they're sort of packed in together i think that's why he's called burger um just because he's so like crazy and he does all these different things um now speaking of drugs um the next song is called hashish mm-hmm. and if you ever wondering what hashish means it's it's kind of like a smoked cannabis unlike a ham you know 
Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I know this is the greatest greatest part about the show is talking about drugs. Um, but the whole song is about basically drugs. So if you were wondering, what I wonder what a song called Hashish will actually mean. Um, yes, it's about drugs. Um, and of course, I would love to read the slam poetry. But Hunter, before I get into it, I want to mention this really important thing that I'm, I, I noticed with all the songs as, as a music director, which is a lot of the songs like to have lists in them. And yes, I made that note as well. Well, and I think that the show does a really great job of listing things. And it's really mm -hmm. funny the things that they list. And I'll talk later about how um, they just kind of went to the encyclopedia. Did we use this word yet? And they'll be like, uh, no, 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 find that word. They might say banana. They say, use banana. I'm like, yeah, we already used banana. <laughs> so they kind of go through the uh, the whole A to Z alphabet here. But I do want to read what they have to say because it's really interesting. They definitely interesting. do. Right. It's really interesting because they go through the whole um, A to Z with drugs. So they go hashish, cocaine, cannabis, opium, LSD, DMT, SDP, BMT, AMP, IRT, APC, alcohol, cigarettes, shoe polish, coster, peyote, Equinol, Dexanol, Compazine, Chemodrin, Thorazine, Trilophon, Dexadrine, Benzodrine, Methadrine, Sex, You, and then they end with Whoa. So that's that's also funny. This is probably the second song I taught my cast. And and they were like, uh, how do we sing this? And I said, I'm gonna put you in groups. Just remember what group you're in, and you're gonna sing three notes. You're gonna sing bum 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 and that's all you're gonna have to know for the whole song because the first song goes hashish then you're gonna sing cocaine the next one's gonna go cannabis and that's basically the whole song it's a rock song at the end i love this because i said to them it's gonna be the slowest wow in history you're gonna go benzadrine methadrine s-e-x-y-o-u wow and just like you have to hold that out <clears throat> forever until you hear mm -hmm. a, a cymbal roll you know what you know and i had one of my friends in the in the cast um who played burger he was a really funny guy uh, i might want to interview him on this podcast he's his name is ravi very funny guy very um you know very passionate guy about music um and i remember him going what? And then him finishing before the cast, and I said, "You all want to do it like Ravi just did it because that's the, the effect we're going for. Is because all these people are on drugs and they're sort of seeing things. They're all like, wow So I thought that'd be sort of a funny thing to say. Um, anything else about this number that I want to say is melody is very straightforward. Lists out all the drugs ever known to man. And it's really interesting how they put them all together because um, it's a little satirical because, I mean, obviously drugs can heal you, so don't do drugs. <laughs> but it's a because of the way it's created and it's, it's a little kind of humorous. Uh, what do you think, Hunter? Well, yeah, I, you know, I sort of got the sense that it is, it is supposed to be somewhat making fun of drugs, though obviously, you know, the, the group that they're talking about would have been and heavily using them as well. Um, but I, I did find it interesting that 
the lyricists and the composer, the lyricist and the composer did manage to fit all those drugs into triplets. Yeah. And I was like, wow, whoever's naming drugs must really like to have them in the, in the triplet yeah. feel. Maybe they were a musician. Yeah. Um, and then, mm -hmm. so, I, so I thought that was, that was well constructed. And then uh -huh. I also thought that perhaps the reason for doing that was it creates uh -huh. this sort of ostinato feel. Mm -hmm. which, or, you know what I mean? It's almost like the words themselves are becoming the ostinato. And I almost feel like that makes the song have this sort of ambient feel to it, which maybe is meant to simulate like a drug stupor, which then leads to the wow, the whoa, wow, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's sort of how I felt listening to it. Right. The orgasm of drugs. Yes. Yes. Um, as, as one would call it. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting how we we keep talking about lit because the next song is called Sodomy. Indeed. Um, you know, uh, we're talking about stats here. We're getting real deep. Uh, and this is actually a, one of my more favorite songs because I worked on this with a, a young fellow. Uh, his name is Nick. And he was great for this part. Um, again, we don't like typecasting, but he was almost born to play this part too. Um, and just something interesting about about this song is how it starts with a prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, "In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen." And then he gets into this crazy song, which again, like we discussed, with lists. I mean, we he. We, I feel like they go through the encyclopedia of sex and they say, have we, have we used that word yet? And then he's like, <laughs> nope, no, 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 let's use that word. Um, and I, I love that they turn this into like this crooner sort of song, you know, with the sort of a doo-wop sort of thing. Um, and mm -hmm. it, it, again, these songs are supposed to help characterize what these characters, like obviously um, uh, Wolf is a... <laughs> They call him Wolf because obviously he uh, don't have to obviously give it away. Um, but he his name is Wolf, and you get to understand him more as a, as this kind of guy character um, hippie um, who just enjoys the the gathering of, of people for you know, <laughs> obvious stimulation. Um, and one of my favorite lines in this is "Father, why do these words sound so nasty?" Um, Obviously, they're making fun of religion and all that. Um, I, I would love to hear your take on this, my friend. What do you think? I mean, the the whole song. I mean, I you know, it, it seemed a little gratuitous to me. I mean, it, okay. I suppose the last song was as well. But I, I I don't know. I didn't know how to feel about it. That I didn't know the like the previous song. They kept the use of triplets from the previous song to this one, sure, even yeah. though this one's written in common time. Um, as for the point of the song, I guess, like you said, if it's meant to characterize the, the or it's meant to give insight into the character, it would make sense. But that, yeah. to be honest, I really just saw the song as like a big middle finger to <laughs> everyone who wouldn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know how else to describe yeah, it other than that. No, I, I think that's a good good representation of the song. Um, and it just kind of shows how one person is willing to go so far to describe 
sexual acts and uh, what they want and it's it's almost crazy uh it's kind of all over the place um and i, I do like the song like i was saying it it just has this sort of like um you know I, when i was listening to the song it almost has that like that grease you know that song yeah. uh, middle school drop yeah Day for you, you know, and it has that. It's sort of a crooner sort of thing, and I, I yeah. sort of wrote that down as sort of like this kind of the do up up up, you know, because it has those sort of triplet feels in the song. Because mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite lines, like I said, Father, why do these words sound so nasty? <laughs> you know, and it keeps going. Obviously, you're channeling your inner Frankie Avalon there. Yeah, no, I, I just, I do. Yeah, absolutely um so yeah i think that that definitely talks about this song uh we're gonna skip a song uh but then we're gonna go to manchester england the uh song where we get to talk about claude another main character um it introduces claude uh the main character that most people can relate to in the musical someone who's rebellious uh studious and lovable and interesting um and Hunter, I love the song because of the lyrics. It talks about issues and, and it talks about why he is a genius. Um, what do you think about Manchester, England? Well, this song, you know, it strikes you as being very different from the other songs, uh, which is, mm -hmm. I'm sure, intentional that it's sort of a break in the, the style that they had been using. Um, it's clearly like playing to a more traditional tune, maybe harkening back to like English, you know, traditional, almost British, uh, not folk, eh, I guess sort of folk music. Um, but it has this repeated pattern that keeps moving up in step, which I think is, it, it gives the song a pleasant sound to it. And um, yeah. I do like the, the syncopated rhythms that are held over the bar line. You know, mm -hmm. it's like they keep doing that over the bar line. And uh, so I think that's cool. And then later, or I'm not really later, I guess throughout the whole song. There's a lot of harmonies in thirds, which is a more traditional sound also. So I think that this song, it, it's trying to be rebellious in lyric, but the composition of it is more traditional. So maybe that's the representation yeah. of the character. Mm -hmm. I think this is a boogaloo. Boogaloo? A slow a slow boogaloo. I'm not sure if you know what that, that word means. I know sort it's of a like style. A, it's almost, it's a style of a British... Ish, uh, music that's sort of like almost funk, you know, and you can hear it with the use of the the uh, tambourine, you know, Manchester, England, England. You know, it's really interesting, and there's a lot of great text painting, like you said. My favorite line being "across the Atlantic Sea." You know, notice how in that phrase, "across the Atlantic Sea." Um, it's, it's sort of holding across the bar line. Isn't that interesting? That is funny. Um, yeah. And then, and I'm a genius, genius. I believe in God. <laughs> I believe in God. Believe in God. That's me. That's me. My favorite part about this song is the bridge. Because it. Uh, when when I did this, again, I hate saying this word. I don't like to stick the typecast, but the guy who played Claude was perfect. You know, it was great. Um, and he sang this song almost to perfection in his uh, callback. And I said to the director, I said, holy crap, I think we have our Claude because 
He sank to this so easily. Claude Hooper Bukowski, find this groovy and love the movie. It's so it's it's one of those like um pirates of Panzance. Yes, sort of, it does uh, sort of have that feel to it. And I think I think that he it's so good that it's it's written so well. And it's just like they do this so well in the song. It's it's like a pitter patter song. I think that's how someone mm-hmm. would call it. And he he every single word I heard so clearly, and I was like, wow, I think this is perfect for this character and this in this actor. Um, it was perfect for this, and it made so much sense, you know. And it was it was very interesting, um, you know, and you know. And I, I love that this this song plays around with this whole like they're the flip sort of flip floppy British thing, but he's not British, you know, he's pretending mm-hmm. to be British. But I don't know yeah. why, because he's pretending to be intellectual, but he's not. Um so I think it's really interesting that you have this sort of style of character and these introduction of songs are just supposed to introduce these characters who are there's a sex addict. There's a guy who just loves doing drugs. There's a guy who just wants to experience life. And you have Claude, who is almost like the like the vision of both of us in a way, where he's one that might not do those things but wants to fight for what's right. Um, and sort of maybe does those things once in a while, but maybe feels like he wants to experience life and he wants to try new things. But as we'll keep as we'll talk about with next time, it's it's you know, he is willing to go so far. And that's something that we have to talk about in the musical, which is that um, that's a theme in the show that it's describing how far we're willing to do something or how much we're willing to put ourselves out there. Um, because this song is is kind of very intrinsically outward, but inwardly, Claude is a very scared person. Outwardly, he's very open, but in the inside, he's not as, as open as Berger is as a person. Um, your thoughts on, on this song? Yeah, I think um, it's, you know, whenever you bring up, you know, you mentioned he's not British, he's he's trying to be British. It, it, it's a weird, I feel like it's a, not a, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a, uh, a it keeps going out of my head. I, I keep seeing the word. He, it, I feel like it's almost satirical. Um, satirical, sure. Yeah, which to be honest, most of the play is, but. I, I think that that's sort of the point of why he's doing this British accent it, while singing about these particular topics in this way. with yeah. this, It's all meant to be for this, this satirical purpose, which could also show that he himself maybe sees some of the ridiculousness of what they're doing while also showing that he is somewhat invested in it. Right. And you got to admire the brilliance of these songs that do a really great job of, of let's say, two minutes of characterizing a whole character. Right. You, you have the challenge of that in the beginning of any show where you need to identify who these characters are. Um, and I think great shows are able to do that right away so you know, okay, here are the people. Now let's discover what their issues are. You yeah. know, And then we can... And the cool thing about the brilliance of the show is how e- even even when... We, we describe these characters. We can find faults within them right away, you know. And because of mm-hmm. that, we can then understand who they are. And the songs becomes almost perfect because they then characterize the characters so well that we know who they are, what they're about, 
why they are why they are and then explaining to them what the issue is or what problems this person has about you know certain issues um so and i think that's really cool mm-hmm. um and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this next song because the next song is called i'm black slash i ain't got no um hunter lists of course there's always lists more lists i think i think it's i think it's hilarious at this point that that's kind of the way things are um i think it's really funny that this is a fast song you know mm-hmm. and each each person just says their skin color i'm black i'm black wolf goes i'm pink i'm pink burger goes i'm rinso white and i didn't know what rinso white meant but apparently it's white soap yeah, so it was an old cleaner. Right, owner of soap. And then Claude sings, I'm invisible. Ah. Wow. You know, and, and then no one takes notice of that, and then they keep going. You know? Mm-hmm. And then that's that's where to understand these these issues with these characters, because Claude himself wants to be found. Claude himself wants to be noticed. Um, I think, I think later on with this next character with Sheila, you'll notice how Claude really wants to be with Sheila, but Sheila's with Berger. Um, and then Jeannie, another character we're going to talk about later is into Claude. So it's just kind of this parallel of people who like other people, but they don't like the people that like them. (laughs) Isn't that isn't that funny? It's like a it's like a a non love triangle, right? And so I think that the first song that we're going to talk about, which is um, "I'm Black," which is basically naming skin color, <laughs> it's very basic. Um, I think it took me like five seconds to teach it to everybody. You know, it's yeah. There's easy. not too much, uh, and then no, as I say, there's not too much. No. Um, <laughs> like musicality too, other than I do like the, the baseline that it starts and then it goes up in, in, in half steps and then it comes back down in half steps and then it goes, it just repeats that over and over again, but it gives like a sort of a little feel to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you go into this three, four of, I ain't got no, um, I think. And Which then is a much can... stricter tempo. Yeah, exactly. Boom, plung, plung, boom, plung. I ain't, I got no home, ain't got no job, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it just keeps going, and then it plays around with all these different, like, again, lists, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was really easy to teach because um, it starts out this way, and you have this sort of feeling of three that goes along for a really long time, and then <laughs> I remember, I remember this being just uh, some of these songs were really easy to teach. But there were other songs, uh, Hunter. Oh my God, they were so hard to teach because they had so much harmony in it. Yeah, it needed to have harmony in it. I'm like, why? <laughs> um, but, but these songs that have this crazy amount of text really should focus on the text rather than the music. And I think the lyricists do a really great job of identifying moments in songs that really play really well with the text. Um, this is sort of like a protest song, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're, yeah. they're talking about what they don't have and what they need, you know? So, um, 
Yeah. I found it easy to teach them because the cast so was like, what the, do I have to say? You know what so I mean? So perhaps the, the strict militant tempo is meant to represent the anger that they're trying to convey in the song. Exactly, exactly. And and check out the, the comedy switch because we had comedy with Manchester, England, and then we switched right straight to serious with I ain't got no. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Um, any other ideas on, on this one, Hunter? No, I think you covered them. Okay, all right. Well, let's talk about some Sheila Franklin. Uh-huh. And um, I believe that that number is a little later. Um, I like. I want to say right before we go on, uh, "Dead End" is this really strange song. Mm-hmm. Is it <laughs> that I that I had to teach everybody? I think I had to teach it to four people. Very strange. I had to to, to do that and then teach it all about that, and that was kind of fun. Uh, and then it was just kind of nice. Um, and then you get to talk about some. Uh, you talk about some Sheila Franklin, who is the female lead of the show. Uh, her name uh, fully Sheila Franklin. Uh, the song is, I believe, in love. And in the beginning of this number, you have to love the rum ba 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 in all seconds with trumpets. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's Very interesting strange. is is on the recording of this song from from the newer mm-hmm. the new cast album. They have this this random Brazilian opening with like the, the music does the and you're like, okay, that doesn't fit anyway. It's not in the score, but then they go into yeah. the rest of the song. So I thought that that was like, it stood out. I don't know why it was there, but. Right. You know, it, that's actually interesting because that number actually is placed later in the score for another song that she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the song is called Chew the Franklin. It's Sheila Franklin, second semester, NYU, and she Okay, so it's a callback to that. Yeah. Or it's rather no, a, actually, a, a... Actually, they, what they did was they decided, they were like, why do we put it later? Let's just put it next to each other. So we introduced the character of Sheila, and then we talk about the song, which is I Believe in Love. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of, this is my mom's and... Um, my sister's favorite songs because they, they like how boppy it is and how interesting it is of the character of Sheila. Um, and, and Sheila, I think Sheila is probably the most admirable out of all of them because she is this studious person. She cares about other people. She wants best for everyone. And she really cares about the world and wanting change in, in, in the United States. Um, what is your takeaway of the song? Um, well, I mean, I figured it, it is somewhat of, like, like most of the stuff in the show, it, it is meant to be protest in some way. I mean, you don't throw the national anthem into a song like they do in this one if you're not trying to say <laughs> something. So it, it's just in, it, it's in the middle of it, and they're clearly using it as like a, uh, like a oh, pay attention because we're trying to say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's such a key part of the song. Yet if they have to, our country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. God, right. so, so my country, tis of thee. The national anthem is later. Yeah, I know. It's, it, and then you know, she she has this great attitude that you know that if she believes in love, things will change. And that's a beautiful way to think about something. And those the mm. lyrics in the song, um, 
And I also love how like boppy the song is. I believe in love. I do believe in love. It just so it feels so good and it it, it fits so mm-hmm. well. And it has this nice, nice like bop to it. And I really think that the character of Sheila is just so wonderful and it exemplifies this character. And again, like we're saying, it's still the beginning of the musical and we get to know who she is. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we'll get to the next number, which is ain't got no grass. Again, uh, this is notated as a champ. Um, uh, But it makes sense because we're going back from, sort of not silly but very lighthearted to something a little more serious because we are introduced to the character of Sheila and now knowing Sheila, Sheila is more of an orchestrator and she puts together this this rally and she wants people to listen and they're chanting. Um and this this is actually um a song that that there's really no music. Um you know it, it, there's just maybe a drummer and that's it. You know? That's the whole song. What what do you think? Well, yeah, I noted it started with the chant, and then it has this sort of military march underneath it that the drum is playing. Um, and then, you know, it's in duple feel the whole time, except for measure 21, which has these triplets, which could be like intended to be an interruption of the groove of the song, because we talked about how, you know, the groove is very important for all the songs. Um, and then I really like the chord that's at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like a, a D major with a fourth in it, or maybe it's a G9. I, it could be either one, um, but I'm not sure. But either way, it's yeah. a very cool way are to you, sort of just end. Are, are you talking about the first chord on uh, page 38? Let me look. First chord on page 38. That's... No, 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 at the end of the song. Is that what you're looking at? Is that what you're looking at, Hunter? Are you looking at... I'm looking I'm looking at the one that is on measure. Mm. Uh, it's held over from measure um, 36 into 37, although it's the same chord for on air, air, air. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's that so one. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And that, and that... Which, which also is interesting. No, but- oh, no, I was gonna say it's also interesting that that those last three bars, you know, it's air, air, air are the lyrics, which then is the title of the next song. So they yeah. choose to introduce the title of the next song before the next song actually begins, even though you don't know it at the time. Right. Yeah. And and something interesting about the song is <laughs> more lists. More oh, of lists. course, we must have lists. I'd be disappointed at this point if we didn't. Yeah, it just, I don't, something I love about this song is just how, um, because it goes through that ain't got no thing again, and then it goes through, one of my favorite is, water, city, banjo, toothpicks, shoelaces, teachers, football, telephone, records, doctor, brother, sister, uniforms, machine guns, airplanes, germs, and one, bang, 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 M2, bang, 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 A-bumps, H-bumps, yeah. <laughs> and it just keeps going. It's so crazy. Um, you know, I'm like I was saying with the with the song is that it it just it goes all over the place. And then what do we want to make of this this text that goes bang bang bang? 
Well, like I said, those triplets are, are clearly meant to interrupt the flow of the song, so they're trying yeah. to draw attention to those lyrics of bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Those triplets really do kind of come out of nowhere. Um, and then we just more lists of, of things that are just going on. And mm-hmm. I remember teaching this to them and they were like, why, why some things? <laughs> and I was like, well, think about it. They're, they're just kind of there and they're just, they're just trying to get the attention of the authorities and they, they kind of want mm-hmm. to say anything that they can to do something. And I think it's interesting that that's how things are. And then at the end we get to air, uh, which is the next song. Um, and again, I had another really great um, singer for this and, and she, her name is Ella Carr. Um, another really great actress um, now director. Um, but she did a lot of really great things with this number as Jeannie. And like I said, with, <laughs> with Jeannie, Jeannie is in love with Claude, but Claude's in love with Sheila. But Sheila is in love with Burger, and Burger's kind of like, oh, I'll go half seas on that, and <laughs> the whole system's corrupted. So I think it's I think it's really cool. And so then with Air, um, they're obviously talking about drugs. You know, I should probably say that first because it's kind of important because they're breathing in, you know, air of of uh, sulfur dioxide, which I believe I don't believe that's natural air. Um, it's definitely air that you might not actually breathe like carbon dioxide all the time. Mm. Uh, so this are, this is just a, a really quirky song about breathing drugs. Um, and if I had to pick one song out of the 10 first songs that we're going to talk about before our, our break, this is the one that sounds the most hippie like to me. I actually think it might be, you know, so- Sulfur dioxide, that, that almost sounds like pollution. Because they because in the 60s into the 70s, that would have been a big topic of conversation was pollution. Mm, yeah. You know, it's really interesting that you say that because doesn't that sort of fill the, the gap in the circle mm-hmm. in a way that they're sort of protesting a lot, a lot of different things? Yeah. Um, and it just feels like people are sort of just kind of like they're they're rallying about all these different kinds of things like pollution and war and uh, drugs and uh, trying to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And I think that was the biggest draw for people who wanted to become a hippie because it felt like you were trying to talk about your own rights. You're trying to talk about what you feel is most important. Um, And it's easy for someone to get locked into their own political views, but I think it's important for those characters to think about what really is important to them. And I think I said that to, to Ella, I said, this character, she just really wants to be noticed. All these characters want to be noticed by somehow, some way. Uh, and I think we'll talk about that with one main, with one smaller character too in, in this whole, in this whole universe. But I think it's actually pretty cool that we have all these different things going on. And um, this one, again, you know, it's interesting. How many genres of music have we crossed over in the Quite last nine or so songs? I think it's so interesting. And I said this on a radio show at Ithaca. They said to me, what was your biggest draw to the show? And I said, well, I've always wanted to direct a show. And I never really was given the opportunity until Hair. And when I started listening to it, 
I had the same initial view of it. I was like, oh, you know, it's okay. And then I kept listening to it and I said, this is a really cool show for a multitude of reasons. But my reason was because of the different genres of music that we talk about in America, which is, mm -hmm. you know, classical, jazz, funk, blues, um, and crooner. You know, we talk about all these different kinds of varieties of music. And we haven't even talked about country yet, which is a, which is a big part of the a part of the show too. And that was the biggest draw for me. Um, for this number, though, I felt it was really special to to notice how um, the the text is also brilliant. You know, the music is great, but we also have to give view to these these lyrics. And <laughs> I I remember how how great it is, and and how you know great it is how right at the end of the song she sings like a sullen perfume eating at the stone of my tomb while you sleep and then something that's really funny in the song is i mentioned to ella i said try to put that cough right on the beat because he, he put it there on purpose so the, the end of the uh -huh. song would be uh breathe while you sleep breathe deep uh, deep uh, deep deep, deep uh. Or something like that, where you'd be coughing in the middle of the song. I think that's that's a, that's an extended technique that I think that was maybe created for this musical, you know, because you're you're breathing all this this crazy things, and then you're just it, it, I don't know. It, it almost plays along with that role of of um, of uh, symbolism, mm -hmm. you know. A and lot of the show is so, symbolism. Yeah, and it's so simple too, right? It's it's just coughing, mm -hmm. but we're putting it beat enter. I'm sorry, you cut out. What did you say? I have. You have any thoughts about this number? Um. Yeah. So what I said was, <clears throat> I'm looking at my notes. Um the G major that it's written in is really contrasting the unpleasant imagery, which is exactly what you were saying, you know, how it's clearly talking about some less than pleasant things, but it's distracted from it by this very upbeat um, sound to it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Which is a really, I mean, a lot of the show is like that they distract from the ugly message or they hide the ugly message in the pleasant sounding uh, music which is one of the ways they probably could get oh, me, people. Oh, sorry. It's a long day at work. Um, they, the way they got people to, to listen to it and, and learn the messages without trying to shove it down their throats was hide it behind pleasant mm -hmm. music. Um, and the melody itself rises and falls and it really gives you the sense of air. Um, you know, the melody, it, it does sort of go up and then come back down which I sort of gave me the sense of, you know, air, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be necessarily clean air, but it's air nonetheless, and so it goes up and down. And the song is constantly in motion. There is, there's no breaks in this song. Right, yeah. And then we get to Kama Sutra slash The Stone Age. Mm -hmm. I, again, I talk about, I'm going to talk about this a lot in the show, but I love how it starts out in this Middle Eastern music. It's just very slow yeah. and very like, 
And this is just Burger dancing to <laughs> whatever he wants to dance to. <laughs> and then it, and then it turns into this, this crazy jazz number. You know? And I, I remember when I when I listened to it the first time, I was like, oh my God, this is ingenious. Because mm -hmm. it's so slow. And then it's ding. Hello there, ever thought of how you're living? Right smack back in the middle of the Stone Age. Well, this folk is the psychedelic stone age. And what I wrote down was, um, I said to my friend, this sounds like a obscure reference to an infomercial. <laughs> Could be like a WandaVision commercial. I know. It, it's so strange. Um, and I love how this, this, it feels like that. And I, I do it for the first time and I laughed so hard because it was so funny, but it was mm -hmm. so good though. It was so genius. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's so clever. Um, your thoughts. Yeah. Well, so the first thing, obviously the first part of the song strikes you because it's a, it's notated as an electric guitar playing it, but it's clearly meant to simulate the sitar. Um, yes which is known for having that particular uh, Eastern sound. Um, and the, you know, it's in this minor key, the beginning, the, the Kama Sutra part, which obviously adds to the quote unquote exotic feel of it. And then you're talking about, you know, and the, you know, the East, especially during this time period, everything in the Eastern part of the world was seen as like exotic and, and different and, unusual so you had this sitar instrument sound being simulated along with the talk of obviously kama sutra which is you know one of the the concepts and texts of the eastern world um and then you have the stone age which is as equally foreign to us as so the imagery is meant to remove move us from that it's meant to make us mm. seem like we're we're not a part of it. We're observing it, right? And Berger is welcoming us to this new world. He's mm -hmm. saying, "Take the next step. Come with us and explore your new life with us." Um, <laughs> and that's why that's why it feels like it's an infomercial because it, it just feels like he's trying to sell us on something in a way. Mm -hmm. So, well, I think that's a good time for us to take a break. Sponsored mm -hmm. by us and anchor uh and if you would like to support this podcast please go to anchor.com and search music speaks podcast to find ways to reach out to us and you will find our social media and ways that you can contribute to this podcast when we come back we're going to talk about some more hair and the next song is i got life so stick around and we'll be right back All right, and we're back, and we're going to talk about I Got Life from Hair. Um, man, is this a good song. I think this is pretty cool. Um, and I love that the front and the back of the song, Hunter, has this sort of recitative mm -hmm. thing. And at first, I was like, and then I was like, oh, it's it's like a homily in a way, like he's talking about 
what he what he's liking and what he's not liking and how how he he feels and like I said before, more lists because you can't have more lists in this song than ever. Constant lists, constant lists in the song because it it just does that and it and it it has this sort of pulsing rock sort of feel to it, um, and yeah. it follows uh, Claude singing and I love. Love conducting song because it just it, it just felt so good in four and it had this sort of at the beginning of the song and the end of the song felt like it had a very operatic sort of feel like you play the chord and like i got life mother and then you put the i got life sister i got freedom brother i got good times man i think it's pretty cool the way things are like that and and just the setting of all mm-hmm. this sort of music is really cool. And then just, I got my hair, I got my hand, I got my brains, I got my ears, I got my eyes, I got my... It's like, thank God for you, man. It's like, grease lightning, go grease lightning. Yeah, exactly. That that actually is actually almost perfect because it made me feel that song. Because it's just so many words in this song. There Again, more of, that, more of that pitter-patter sort of uh, song. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on this song, Hunter? Yeah, I, I, you know, first thing I always look at is, you know, key signature and what does that tell us? So it's it's in 4-4, which is the time signature, and it's in the key of F major. And I always found, and we've talked about this before, F major, I've always found it's a very warm key, um, or at least mm-hmm. to me anyway. So maybe that's what they wanted because they're talking about life and, and you know, that obviously you'd want to feel warm about because obviously you don't want to feel feeling like bleak and depressing. So... It, it gives that sense, and that could be why they wrote it in the key of F. And it's a lot of call and response. Yes. There's a lot of, like, uh, you know, the, the lead singer says it, the groupies, they respond. And, you know, it has an overall pleasant tonic feel to it. Yeah. I felt like it was a white version of a gospel. <laughs> I, you know, that is the perfect way of putting it. Right, Yeah. And it just felt like Claude was just talking almost out of his ass, but just basically mm-hmm. saying, this is, <laughs> "I have, I, I got, I got life, man." He's celebrating his whole body, you know. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines is at the at the sort of that end of recitative where I got to tell my friend, uh, "You got to just kind of go for it." In my, it's it's the. So repetitive. I got my hair, I got my head, I got my brains, I got my ears, I got my eyes, I got my nose, I got my mouth. <laughs> I got my teeth. You know, very repetitive. And then uh, right at the end, um, one of the funniest lines is, and I'm going to spread it around the world, mother. And then he, he just, I was thinking of the way he would describe how to do something with that. But then my friend um, Luke, who played Claude, he just started like twerking or sort of playing around <laughs> with his ass. And so it's like, I'm going to spread it around. I'm like, God, oh, brilliant. It was so funny. It was so great. And you're probably thinking, Sean, this is such a dull song because he's just, no, but he's talking about making life. He's human. He's experiencing life. And um, of course, the song is very short but it's a great great song because of of how like alive it is and how exciting Mm -hmm. it is people 
walking along. Go cadence at the end. Amen. Amen. You know, at the end, you know it, it's it's Channeling a your inner, inner gospel singer there. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so funny. It's very it's plain, but it's it's so exciting, and it's awesome and. It just, you know, it, it shows you that you don't really need a lot of crazy words to make a really good song. It's just exciting and it's danceable. And I remember when I conducting it, photographer slash director, she was like, "Do what you want, feel, do what you feel is right for the song." And a lot of the people, no pressure. I kid you not, no pressure, but just kind of like do this <laughs> and kind of play around with their, you know, the ass, and they would kind of dance around. But that's but that's kind of how the song went, you know. And they would just kind of dance around people. And there's a funny story about the show. Like I love this show, and and people say like, what what would you do in the show? And I would say something that's really cool. When people walked into the theater and we did the show, they said, "Well, um, would you like to be touched or not touched?" So <laughs> they would give people stickers whether they wanted to be touched or not for the show. That's really so, funny. Um, so like they would get people to come up and dance with them. And this number was that number. So if anyone was like, didn't have a sticker on them, they would come up and they would get picked up and they would dance with the, with the cast and the crew. And I remember just kind of like, just kind of just, I, I would, I, I would, I would love conducting this number as I was mentioning, because it's just so much fun and it created such a feeling. And, um, like the I got life, you know, it just celebrates like I mean like it names all different kinds of body parts with more lists and they go through their encyclopedias and they say, Have we used that word yet? No, no, let's put that word in. So they they do it and it's just really fun. And I think that's that's a really great aspect of the show because it, it's a it's a non serious number. Mm -hmm. But they're making fun of a lot of different things. So tell so, me, Sean, would you be touched or non touched? Oh, I would be non touched. I would want to go up yeah. there. And, oh, actually, no. Wait, wait, wait. Touched. No, yeah, touched. I can go up. I, I said that. I said the touch. Yeah. What, what? What about you, friend? What would you do? <laughs> That'd be a hands off <laughs> for me. Thanks. Yeah. That's normal. That's normal. And uh, they would just kind of do what they want to do. Um, so yeah, you know, I had a friend of mine who came to see the show, and she was like, uh, "I would love to dance in the show." Can I just? Yeah. She's like, it's like, yeah. It's just like this is a sticker if you don't want to. Be touching the show and she's like no i want i want to um and they wouldn't have people kind of hang out and so yeah it's fun really crazy That's um yeah um anything else about this song hunter no i think you hit the big points for it okay all right um let's talk about initials um we're gonna have to scroll a little back with the score um they switch it around a few times in the in the in the new broadway version where we talk about different yeah. numbers um, but actually, um, this number was actually the first number I taught the cast. Was it? Yeah, it was. Um, and I'm going to teach you to sing it right now very easily. Oh, okay. I like going through the, yeah, I'm going to teach you how to sing it cause it's really easy. Um, you have to scroll back a little bit and it's so easy and just take a look at it's, it, I believe it's two pages. Um, and it's really easy to sing. Look at the melody. LBJ took the IRT down to 4th Street, USA. And that's how I would start with the group. Said, look, 
everybody sings that part. So either you sing it right or you sing it wrong, but everyone's singing the same part. Right? Ah, yeah. Well, yeah, so he goes in there. Yep. When he got there, what did he see? The youth of America on LSD. <laughs> right? La, la, do, mi, re, do, la, do, re, re, do, la, mi, mi, re, do, la, do, re, do. Super easy, right? Mm. And that's only half the song. And then I'd say the guys, LBJ, LBJ mm -hmm. girls, hi, RT. And then the guys would sing, USA girls, LSD. LSD, LBJ, FBI, CIA, and then we would all would sing FBIC or sing FBICILSD. And then basically you would sing LBJ or LBJ or LBJ or LBJ or LBJ, and that's it. And, and that took me 10 minutes to teach because it was so easy. And it was just initials of different songs. LBJ took the IRT down to 4th Street, USA. When he got there, what did he see? The Youth of America on LSD. And that's basically the whole song. <laughs> it's, it, it's so they easy. They clearly didn't like LBJ. No, they didn't like LBJ because LBJ was a democrat but not a very um well i don't think people him that much um especially hippies um and, it, and let me just break down how the song works i mean you have this sort of form of the melody you have a little bit of um uh sort of harmony going on but it was so easy to teach that i would mm -hmm. say it is so diatonic there this whole song is in c major yeah, there's nothing that's easier about this song. All I had to do was show him, show everyone the score. Basically, what I did was uh, we didn't have scores just yet. So basically, what I was, I I went online, I pulled up the score, and I said, "Let's look at this together. Let's let's block it out." And I sang it with all of them, and then they knew the song in like ten minutes. And then we did, but that just took me maybe ten minutes. While other songs always took me about an hour to put together because it was so hard. Um, mm -hmm. But this was so easy. I said, what other song would be the best song for this cast to sing together than the initials? Because it's just a, a simple song that everyone sings together, and it's easy to learn. So I, pot, I picked that song. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and that was the song that we used. And I basically said to everyone... Um, sorry. It's more suspenseful as we go on here with my sip of water. Um, it's it just, you know, I, I said to them, use your laptops, use your things and, and they would follow along. And, um, that was basically it. I think it's the most basic song that we have in the show, but kind of effective too. I mean, it just, it, it plays around with words. It plays around with initials and it just plays around with expectations, you know, you know, and I remember I remember um, our director, I wasn't there one day, and my director had a rehearsal where she was doing choreography with them, and this was the song that they did. And I remember her saying to me, thank you for doing the song so early because they already know it, and it's perfect and easy. And I said, yeah. And then they did it, and 
they did a really cool job of doing a lot of different kind of like movements and things and it was kind of silly but it was it was really cool at the end and the ending product of the sh- it was just great um so so yeah i i thought initials were great and I, i'm sorry for talking so long about initials but that was my first memory of the show yeah what are your thoughts uh, well, yeah, you know, the the first thing I thought of when I heard the song, other than, you know, we already talked about the, well, basically everything you just said, but my first thought was how, you know, it's it almost, you could almost rewrite the song with, like, text lingo. So, like, I don't know why I thought about that, but I almost thought how, like, you could use all, like, text abbreviation lingo with all the initials and the, you know, the letters and stuff. I, I don't know. It was a stupid thought, but... It was just the first thing I thought of. Right. I don't know why it seemed like it was so applicable. Right. Are we ready to move on to going down? Yeah. Cool. I'm going to pull up going down right now. And there we go. Again, starts with this free and open sound. Um, And, you know, a easy thing to discuss is that they would use an easy 32 bar song form is a a b mm-hmm. a um and that's that's a lot of their easy songwriting techniques um obviously um and then <laughs> i love that with burger songs there's just a lot of name dropping mm-hmm. he just he he uses a lot of names and i i love that burger has also this like like so, Burger obviously. <laughs> it's really funny though. The context in the song is that Burger failed from school. Mm-hmm. He got he gets kicked out of school because obviously, he's not good enough. To be in so, but he doesn't care though. He's Burger. So, and the whole song is about he gets his report card back. He's like, oh, I flunked out of school, and they're all like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because they're doing it at a college. Um, so, um, and it's really interesting that that's the way things happen in with burger songs. Um, and I, I love this opening. Me and Lucifer, Lucifer and me. <laughs> um Oh, man, and the text painting in this song is so good. Um, just at the end of the song, where he goes, Elevator going down, going down, going mm-hmm. down. Everybody going down, going down, going down. Yeah. Yes, crazy. I like that part. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think about it? Yeah, no, I just I made the, the observation that, you know, the whole song is centered on downward motion for obvious reasons, with the title being what it is. So you have a part like that where it's even though it's jumping up and down, obviously it's all taking this this centralized downward motion. Um and I liked how the the subject matter is a little less pleasant, not not quite as as dark necessarily, but it, it's in contrast with this very upbeat sounding song. So he should be depressed about this, but he's singing it in a very upbeat way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's it just, it's sort of, it's a contrast. And then 
the ending of the song struck me because it rises instead of falls, which you think would be the opposite of of what it would be because of the the song title. But then obviously it drops off at the end, which is like a, a going way down. Right. Right. Yeah. And I just I just love how boppy the song is and how is. all of his songs sort of feel that way. And initially, um, I, I I told the cast, I said, what I really need for, for you guys to do is sort of be like his backup vocals, where he would say, this is my doom, my humiliation. And, and in the recording, they go, and they would be so serious about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's kind of funny. And I said, why don't we try to do that? And then they were like, yeah, let's try it. And it actually ended up pretty good. And I remember being it just being so good. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's so cool. And then at the end of the song, like we were talking with down, 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 going down, 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 going down, 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 going down. <laughs> yeah, really then it, it drops off. Yeah, but isn't it funny how when we're we're singing going down, we're going up? Yeah, going up. That was the that was the observation that I made. Is it it has this ascending pattern? Yeah, that's really cool, and and that's how the song ends. And it's so interesting because it plays around with expectations. And Berger is one of those guys who just doesn't care and just wants to be a fun loving person. Um, and I like that about this song. Now we're getting to the song which is named after the musical, which is Hair, uh, which hair. is called Hair. Uh, but right before Hair, we had this like, really stupid song that's like, it's called Freak Out. And then oh, yeah. the burger is like, let's dance. And then done. Yeah, I, I, again, I love this musical, but too much music, too much music, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so, in this scene, Claude and Berger meet this woman who is in drag, and we'll talk about that later. And she's tra- trying to ask them, like, why do you guys have crazy hair? And so that they 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 talk about their hair and how much they love their hair. Um, I feel like if I talked about this song, I would maybe t- take too long. Do you have any sort of um, what do you think about this song, Hunter? Well, you know the the first thing is again, well, not again because it was my country physically, but this time they interject the actual national anthem um, into yeah. the song, which you know the long hair on on guys was a represent. It became a symbol of the hippie movement and became a, a symbol of like progressive thinking and. So I feel like you know you throw the national anthem in there again. It, it I, I don't like to say this, but it, I mean it's basically again the middle finger to you know the establishment, and you know we have our long hair almost in spite of you guys and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But then also uh, the from a from a compositional standpoint, just like a lot of the other songs, it, it features a lot of repeated patterns, which. Yeah. I I, yeah, I don't really know what the symbolism of that would be, but it was something that that stood out to me. So I don't know what you were what you were right. thinking for more in t- terms of like the were you thinking the message of the song or 
Right. No, you know, going back to that that thing that you were talking about with the anthem, my my favorite line is, "Oh, say can you see if my eyes, well, oh, say can you see my eyes if you can? Then my hair's too short." <laughs> yes, that is a funny line. It's it's brilliant. It's it's hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, I. You know, it's it's so funny that the chorus only has one word. Yes, that is pretty hysterical. <laughs> and then you have grow it, flow it, goodness. <laughs> it's so funny. And then the, I just, you know, it, it's so... And then I remember my choreographer slash director being like, just kind of shake it and kind of do whatever you want. Kind of play around with it, you know? It was just about the dancing and, and the music and um, it just feeling almost like I got life in a way, but it almost just had this sort of like mm-hmm. own raw energy to it that you could sort of dance around and play with. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, but cool. It definitely, that's a good, a good comparison. It does sound like I got life. Right. And it has this, you know what? And it's really interesting if you tried to rock pop, you know, or pop rocks. Yes, pop rocks. Yeah, not kidding. Uh, yeah, it almost feel like feels like rock pop, and I, I remember this being just kind of one of those songs that just kind of was like really fun to sing and dance to, and kind of lore. Um, and again, you know, with the non non touching and the touching, they would get people to come up and dance with them, and it would just be this big party. You know, it was just great. People would just love the show, and it was just really fun to kind of dance around and sort of explore, you know, different thoughts and thinking and uh, being a part of all these different things. Um, but let's talk about the next song, which is My Conviction. I mm-hmm. think this number is hilarious. It I is. Think it's it's pretty funny. It's really funny. And I believe <laughs> this is the only classical song in the musical where we get all these sort of um, classic, you know, aesthetics with the writing and the composing and the, I think it's really cool. Tell me what you thought about this number. Um, Well, you know, it switches to, to compound, uh, switches to um, actually, what does it switch to? I just had it up. Yeah. So it's in compound meter, but, it's also, you know, for the beginning, and then it switches back to um, four four time. But it's funny that they're they're comparing the moral of the song to like the animal kingdom, mm-hmm. and you know he's talking about how, you know, the flamboyancy of men's dress at the time and the long hair and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the animal kingdom, all the male versions of the species have the outlandish colors and the the decorative plumage and the um, out, you know, the the flamboyant looks so why is it not okay for men and then i also like at 16 there's like a a cool key change on the octave note that's uh that's sung so that's those are just things that stood out to me so what about you so something interesting about the show is that this character is a guy playing a girl in drag he's a guy playing a girl in drag (laughs) yeah um so it's it's just it's really funny and 
Yeah, I know. Um, well, yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a man playing a woman. That's what I should say. And she's a tourist. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a man in drag. And but usually in the version that we did, um, we had a woman play her, and my director, who was a woman, uh, played a man, and that was her okay. husband. Her husband was named Hubert. Um, <laughs> he didn't have any lines, um, but I almost felt like she kind of stole the show in a way. She was she was so funny. Really? Um, yeah, she, she was so funny. Um, and so Margaret and Hubert are tourists who come to New York City, and they see um, – this group of people and they kind of have questions for them and they're kind of fooling around and kind of playing around with this woman. And, uh, she kind of lets them, she kind of sings a song and, um, and, and the song itself, it's just really funny and, um, kind of plays upon expectations of, uh, uh you know, mm-hmm. of, of people who are kind of, um, I'm not a little ignorant on the subject, you know? Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So, and, and at the end of the show, and it's almost revealed that Margaret is is kind of like on the side of the hippies. And he's like, don't tell my husband because he doesn't know about me in drag. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of really funny. Um but yeah, so I think it's really funny, and the song just does a really good job of just kind of playing around with uh, this kind of compositional things. And um, when I listened to it for the first time, and I kid you not, I immediately thought of a, a Mozart composition. Did you? Yeah, I thought so, and I thought of I think Mozart. It sort of has that feel to it. It sort of just has this sort of like lilting, sort of like dance feel to it, um, even though it doesn't. It's in four four. I mean, the beginning of it is in twelve eight, and then you can think about um, elements that are sort of compound in this in this rhythm, and uh, it's you know it, it almost feels like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, one of one of my favorite lines in this song, uh, the singer has to sing when I <laughs> chewily. It's so yes. funny. The writing, the writing is so good, and I think it's it's so cool. That is the way things are in most species. So she has this <laughs> expectation, but then <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it though; it's it's pretty funny. Um, and like I said, um, the the um, my director who played Hubert, um, she <laughs> she dressed up like this older man. Um, she, she got, she put on like, she, I think she colored in a mustache. Um, oh, she was so funny for that part. Almost perfect. So yeah. And that's, uh, that's that number. So yeah, that was really yeah. fun. And I, I, I love talking about the number and the person who played this, um, sang it perfectly. And I thought she would be great for this part. So yeah. Now to get a little more serious, uh, we're going to talk about easy to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I, I honestly think it's my favorite song in, in the show. In this first half, in, oh, in, in the, the show, half. my my favorite in the first half. Well, there's a lot of really great songs, um, but this is one of my favorites. Um, and so right before this scene, 
Berger and Sheila kind of have a little confrontational moment, and Berger slaps her. Oh. And she doesn't really like it, and she feels angry, and she feels distraught, and she sits down. And, um, you know, I had this idea that maybe the guitar player would go sit next to the Sheila and just start playing, and didn't really work out. But this really just kind of focuses on this really central message of, like I was talking about earlier, how it's really easy to be passive. Anything. Mm -hmm. And the song Easy to Be Hard is, is it's, it's, it's definitely an oxymoron, but the song's about how someone's willing to do something, but others aren't willing to put in what they need to put in to help it work out. You know? Right. And it's pretty. It's a pretty deep song, and, and uh, the the song says "easy Latin" sort of feel. Modern yeah. four. It, it just it, it it's so relaxing. But Very. It's just so it's such a beautiful, sincere song. Um, and the singer in this recording killed it. Uh, the character who I casted, she was incredible. Um, and I remember just. I'm getting moved by this song because it's such a powerful song to almost bring into the next act where it just kind of has this almost not somber like feeling but almost um lamenting pa passiveness mm -hmm. in, in the world you know saying that you know it's really easy to do nothing you know, where there's so much out there that we should be doing. And as, as a person who is recognizing all this stuff, she's just saying, I think it's really cool that we're doing all these great things, but we should be doing more. You know, there's so much more that we can do to get the attention of other people. And I, I think it's pretty cool that, that Sheila puts herself out there like that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this? It was one of the numbers I liked a lot better in the, in the, in the show. Um, you know, it's in it's again an F major, and I think it does fit with the the warmth of this of the song. Uh, you mentioned the the Latin thing in the uh, in the score, which is funny because in the new cast recording, it's not so much a Latin beat as it is almost a relaxing funk beat. Um, which yeah. I don't mind the change, yeah. but thinking about the original recording, it was probably seen more as like the the original recording the beats a little bit different and probably would have been described as a latin beat at the time but either way in the 60s that would have been seen as a relaxing calm beat to play so i could see why they would have chosen it because it does fit so well with the with the message and the music that they wrote so i think it was a good choice mm -hmm. and then of course in this this version in particular, the saxophone has a great solo underneath the singer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah, and I think it's it's understated and it's very calm. Yeah, but it's collected. And and if I, if you know anything about Sheila's character, it it just proves that she's right. Mm -hmm. That if you if you do something, whole hopefully things will come out great. But if you don't, if you don't, I mean, if you, if it's so easy for people to just kind of pass by day to day without thinking about something, you know, and that's sometimes how we live, you know, and that's kind of a scary part of life that we forget about things. Sometimes mm -hmm. we don't think deeply 
deeply as we should sometimes. And it's really important to think about a lot of issues and in, in culture and a lot of issues with the with the states that we might not want to always talk about. But I think it's really important that we talk about this kind of stuff and that we think about all these different kinds of issues. And I think it's pretty cool that this is a really good song and describes a selfless, beautiful character mm -hmm. of Sheila. You know, yeah, someone who is selfless someone who was courageous and someone who was willing to just kind of move on you know she she may be mad at burger for slapping her in the face but you know she's like i love him we'll move on it's not the greatest thing in the world but obviously we're gonna have to talk about it so yeah mm -hmm. it's it's a little intense um but pretty um so let's talk about the next song. Um, another favorite of mine, uh, Don't Put It Down. Uh, I, think, I think this song is a little bit underrated. I think it's, I think it's pretty, I think when I, when I came to my friends about how much I love this song, I think it's really cool how this is written. Um, before I, uh, your thoughts. Well, you know, it starts with chanting, just like uh, one of the other songs had previously. Um, yeah. And it has this very country-western feel, which is also in the score. And I, I feel like, in a way, it's making fun of jingoism. You know, like, they're, they're, they're making fun of people who are uber-patriotic because oh, yeah, they, you know, they're, they're constantly saying blue, white, and red which is obviously not the way that you would, you know, the way we are taught to say the colors, right? You say red, white, and blue. Um, and then they later on, they add yellow into it and they say blue, white, red, and yellow. And, you know, there's a variety of reasons, but yeah. in a way, not in a way, uh, I think the purpose of the song, along with this country feel, which is obvious, you know, we associate the South country with, them being uber patriotic, sometimes jingoistic, right? Where it's overly patriotic. So yes. they're clearly taking a look at that culture and they're saying like, okay, well, we're, we're just like rah-rah, we're, we're mocking you. Right, yeah. I think that this song is ah, so good. It's so special. Um, you made so many great points about the text. Um, you know, it's the joke about hurting the flag. Right. But at the end of the day, it's just a flag. Um, people might say, people might disagree with me about this whole issue, but um, I had a, an assignment when I was in elementary school that I would bring down and put up the flag every day as an mm -hmm. elementary school kid. Um, uh, that did not... I mean, it, it did work out for me every day as a as a fifth grader. I was very lucky to do that every day. It was kind of cool. Um, but there was one day where I dropped the flag. Oh. And my friend who was with me, she said, you have to kiss the flag. And I said, what? And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You have to kiss the flag, you know, because you, you dropped it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And at the time, I didn't think it better for worse, but now I, I just think it's silly. Um, and so I think that's just something that they're making fun of. And um, I thought that was this red, white, and blue mix-up. I think it's really crazy. And funny enough, that ideal 
drove my colleagues crazy because they're like, what is the order? I, I can never remember the order of the <laughs> of, of how they wanted to sing the song. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. And I, I that it didn't have that in the score. And so what I did was I wrote it myself and I gave it to the ensemble and I gave it to the actors and I said, I want you to do that before we do the song because it, it kind of um, – it, it it's sort of like you said it, it makes fun of the seriousness of taking care of the flag and i kind of thought that was kind of funny so it plays around with expectations and plays around with all these different kinds of things and i kind of loved that um we're going to talk about a very cute song uh that i mm -hmm. liked to work on with a friend of mine her name is emma but the song is called frank mills um, and this is probably the cutest song in the bunch because it's about a girl who is in love with a guy. Uh, your thoughts, Hunter? Well, yeah, it is. You described it well. It's a cute song. It's it's the song, you know, it, she's in love with this guy who she's actually embarrassed to be in love with him. You <laughs> know you what I mean? But she can't help he, it. Where he is. And yeah, yeah. and then he's lost yeah, on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's so, really I mean, dopey. It's just, but... it's sort of a, I, I don't quite know why, like, I don't know the context of the number, but it's, I'm not quite sure why it's in the show, but I mean, it's a, it's a fun number. Yeah, I think it's random and I think it's hilarious that this one's in there. Um, but I think, because I think like this one just feels like it's less confrontational and you sort of need it before we get more hairier into the end of the show. Ha, huh, no um, pun intended. Because, because, yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're losing um, I'm losing it. No, I'm kidding. In your mind. Uh, um, yeah, I know. Um, it's funny. I think the show itself is, <clears throat> well, I went from young person to old man in like three seconds. Oh, um, <clears throat> yeah, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> she she just wants to be happy hunter she just wants to have a happy I life know. um and the girl who sang this her name is emma she's actually from connecticut oh is she she's actually pretty cool yeah she's from connecticut i got to meet her and uh she went to ithaca college for a year and then she went to westcon for the rest of it um but she's an actress now doing uh small movies and oh, she's really? kind of enjoying her time yeah she's she's really great um but I remember her doing this and she was just really fun to work with. And, um, you know, what's interesting about this song is defining the genre of the song. Mm -hmm. What genre is this? You know, a lot of these songs, they've gone all over the place with the genre. Yeah. And so uh, I almost feel like you, I don't know. You could almost say it's country to a point, but then you could also say it's like 50s sort of. But then again, the 50s pop style was actually rooted in country music. So I guess it all comes back to country. Right. That's absolutely right. Um, and, and with that, I think it's a good leaping point to our next song, which is... Not country at all. Country. Not country. <laughs> <laughs> At all, Krishna slash Bian. Um, Hunter, initially, when I started looking at the song, I thought it was a Jewish folk song. Um, <laughs> but I know exactly what it had the exact same reaction. That's so funny that you say that. 
You know, but with the research that I did, it was definitely it was more Hindu, which, yes, which makes is. a lot of sense, be, be, because hippies at the time were really into Eastern culture, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, and this was one of the songs where people could grab other people in the audience, dance with them, have fun, you know. And I always reminded them, you have to pronounce it because it would sound like... So without <laughs> that, I would say to them, Hare Krishna. Repeat after me, Hunter. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Hare. And that basically was the whole song. Basically, it's basically, the same words format. over and over again. Yeah. In, well, because it's uh, a like mantra. Down, it's a mantra. Yes, that is right. And this is an eight-bar song that repeats, and people can sort of understand the context of the song. You can add things to the song, like there's a girl who goes, Yes, I, did, I do actually like that. She sings underneath it, which is, yeah. it, it mm -hmm. is almost like a, a nod to, Easter, some Eastern music or Eastern religious music yeah. where they have a, a cantor who is doing that. And, and that's really interesting that later we get our first xylophone excerpt where you get the and, and then I remember conducting this really great percussionist and I was like wow this is really great. He's doing a great job over there just playing through. And, and then you heard me, my friend listeners you heard me talking about all these different kinds of instruments that they use in this in this musical which is crazy um it's pretty insane um i think it's pretty cool so and then at the end of the song which helps us lead to the next song um it we then turn to the burning of the draft cards which is kind of a serious sort of um, thing that these these people who were, were were hippies they were like nope i'm not going to war because we're going to throw it out the window and each individual character throws their draft card in the fire of a dumpster. And who is the character who doesn't throw his draft card in the fire? Do you know? Was it Claude? Claude. Yeah. Claude is yeah. the one who doesn't throw it in the fire. Um, and then that starts to ask some questions about Claude's character, about how far is he willing to go with something like this? Um, does he want like because if you did something like this, you would have possibly gone to jail because they would track you down, they would have found you, you know, yeah. and say, "Where's your draft card?" You know, a very serious matter. Um, what to do? Uh, you take away from this number before we hit the last one of our of our uh, segment here today. Well, you know, like you said, it is it is a very serious matter. But you could see how, you know, to people who were very anti-war, this song would be an anthem. Um, but then people who were more traditionalist or or believed in the war would see this as almost like sacrilegious or desecration or or you know anti-patriotism. Um, and you could see why it would turn a lot of heads and make a lot of people mad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then I think that leads into our last song, which is Where Do I Go? Very straightforward. Um, very, I think that the song does a really great job with contemplating the why. Like, why am I doing this? What should I do? Where do I go? 
the whole thing about Claude is we start to see him thinking about what it means to um, play around with all these really great ideas. Um, at the end of the song, um, it, is, it is mentioned that the castmates do take their clothes off. <laughs> and they talk about why war is bad. Uh, which is quite normal. No, I'm kidding. Um, but on a serious note, this is what they do at the end of the song. They take their clothes off. They're they're singing about, you know, where do I go from here with Claude? But Claude is the only one with clothes on, you know, still saying that I'm, you know, and and my, my question is, um, Hunter, this is a very slow rock song and it, it feels, it feels really real. You know, this is the first time that we get some, some real serious mm -hmm. subject matter in the musical. Um, what What are your thoughts on on this ending? Um, well, you know, I think in a show like this, where there's no definite, I mean, there is a plot, but it's it's not like a real plot. It, it, it sort of is all over the place, and is clearly being satirical and making fun of a lot of things. I think in order for the play to be taken seriously, you need to have a moment of reflection, a moment of true uh, seriousness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And mm -hmm. it can be set up through all of these funny things and then it clicks and you say, oh, yeah. I guess they're, they're mm -hmm. being serious, aren't they? And this is clearly mm -hmm. that, that moment. And is, is intermission after this? It is, yeah. That ends on this number. So then that is clearly, you know, you go to intermission after that and you you leave the audience thinking like, uh, you know, it, it gives them a moment to sit back and take in what they just saw. Right. And then they think um, that Claude is willing to hide it from his friends mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to go to jail. He might want to do the right thing. Um, so that's just something to think about with uh again we don't want to talk about the plot too much but we are going to talk about the music a little more which is sort of plays around with this sort of seriousness of the the gravity of how it ends it's kind of like right at the end um it, it just it gets to a really loud part where it's just like where do i go you know it's just so loud and then at the end People are together, they're naked, they're feeling freedom, and Claude is the only one with clothes on, and he feels trapped. You know, Claude's like, I don't want to go to war, but I don't want to go to jail, you know? So he feels like he's right. trapped, and at the, end of the sh at the end of the first number, you hear him scream. And that's sort of, that's like the awakening of Claude's character feeling like, you know, I kind of need to take a break, and I need to understand what's happening, and... um you you really almost feel at this at this first part that that through this whole show we have serious versus non-serious, but the seriousness is able to come through as th through sequences. Where um, the, the the previous number before uh, Kari Krishna is Frank Mills, you know, where it's not mm -hmm. as a serious number, and then it leads into um, Hare Krishna. And Hare Krishna is a little more serious, but a little playful. And then that leads into where do I go? And then the context of the show with um, the, the music is sort of, you know, swelling and kind of playful. And then it just kind of gets really strict and very kind of like 
focused. And then that's when you know the audience is like, okay, this is kind of serious. And then boom, off we go to our act. So, yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna have to cut, you're gonna come back for part two because we're gonna talk about the music in act two another day. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed the first half of Hair, and uh, we'll see you next time. So, thanks for listening. Thank you, Galt McDermott, for your genius musical mind. Next time, we will chat with piano rock star Jun Wen Liang. My name is Sean Ramkunis. And I'm Hunter Sagona. And remember to keep listening to what you love. <laughs>